Warning, the podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast. Forensics with Laura Sudkamp and Marcy Atkins. Part 3 of 3. If somebody was interested in forensics, again, we'll start with Marcin and come over to Laura. What would you tell them to do, especially at a young age, to discern that, to kind of come to that? And then what kind of preparation can they make to move into that, into the field? Okay. Well, first of all, grades are important, you know, so don't blow off school. You know, grades aren't everything, but I can remember a time when We had so many applications that we were literally having to whittle it down by cutting off at GPA. Now, we don't we don't really have to do that anymore. And that was one time out of all the time. So we've done interviews, but grades do matter. Also, I think as the forensic field has grown, every college, it's it's like every college wants to throw together a forensic science degree and. Do really do your research if you want to go get a forensic science degree, make sure they're accredited. But more so, you don't have to have a forensic science degree to come into this field. You need a biology degree to go into the biology part, or you need a chemistry degree to go into the chemistry part, but you don't have to have something based in forensic science. So I think it's good to have something else so that you can you have other avenues you can go if forensics doesn't work out for you. Fantastic advice. Because I tell people that all the time is in law enforcement, you don't have to have criminal justice degrees. And there's plenty of other things that you can get into. And I like what you're talking about is that the plan B is that I try to encourage people all the time when they're younger is that I know that you really you want this. It's probably in your bones. You want to go do this, but things can change. Um, The environment can change. You may get a boss that doesn't like you or you don't like your boss or you could have an event in your field Kind of coming back to the ball bat and then the, at some point you could face burnout. So what does plan B look like and not, not being too narrow? Do they let me ask you this because you talked about grades matter. Is there any kind of a backgrounds process, at, at, especially at, at maybe at a KSP lab? Do any labs look at your background to see if you if you're going to be testifying? That's a big deal. Should be people being a big paying attention to their social media to things like that. I mean, it, is that you definitely? We will go through a background. Um, they'll do a criminal background check on you. They will have. Um, we have a sergeant or a lieutenant. Um, sometimes a, a trooper will do it for us, but they actually will get on the phone with all your references. We have one that will drive you know by your house, stop by your neighbors, go have a chat. So they really do look into you. They. Do look at your social media, especially if you've got any drug issues and you've not hesitated to put them out there, which surprises me, but it's there. A lot of other laboratories across the country actually have you go through a polygraph 
process. Uh, we don't do that at this stage. Um, they do with the troopers, but not with the civilians. So, yeah, you, you've got to keep um, a pretty clean um, nose. Nose. <laughs> Walk at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Right. I, I can remember one round of interviews we were doing. We actually had a pretty well-qualified candidate, and we went to her Facebook page because one of the other interview panel panelists, they love to go check people's Facebook page and, and kind of sniff them out that way. But she had a very angsty bio on her Facebook, and it really just made us think she is not going to play well with others. And, you know, we all work together very closely. And we're also looking for people who are qualified, A, that have the science background, and who are going to play well with the others. It's a team. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I remember from back in the day working with y'all, Laura, when I was in the unit is you felt that when you walked in the room, and it was neat. And I think that's why the communication works so well. So I can understand you're on a little boat on a long trip. And you better have the right people on that crew for sure. It can be awful. That's good for people to know for sure is that it's like anything else. If you want this thing, you better work toward it. And I used to tell people all the time that if you're doing any of this goofy crap, stop now. You know, and, and, you know, because it's it's not fatal yet. But if you continue on, I I used to tell kids when I taught in seat at colleges that. Just everything. Watch who you run around with. Watch who you get in the car with, because there can be something happening one time that could really set this far back or destroy the opportunity. Well, let's talk about this, because I think that's good, because a lot of people, let's talk about some cool wins. And and again, we don't have to get into detail and everything, but some of the, can you remember any of the things that, instances that you had where you had results that came back that tied things up real well, that you were, you got that, ah, moment and that's either in dna or or in drugs or anything like that and maybe even to some exonerations those are important to to talk about the objectivity so you'll get any war stories that you can share oh gosh i i have a lot to draw from Mm -hmm. i can think of a case here in lexington where his name is andre clay he is the defendant. He It has been adjudicated. It has been through appeals process, so I can talk about this. But he, Bill Brislin, was the detective on that case, and that could take up a whole other podcast. Yeah, with right? a lot of tissue because yeah. he cries a lot, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but that was interesting. Uh, this man was known to prey on young black women, and he started out as an alleged rapist and then progressed to a convicted murderer. And I remember it just Lexington didn't feel safe with this person out there. They brought in this particular case and um, we, we, were, we were asked to rush it. So we had her fingernails. And incidentally, she was also, among other things, she was choked. She was strangled. So I can remember the the profile coming off the instrument and watching it. And one of the things we look at, one of the locations is the sex determinant. So you, females have two X chromosomes, males have an X and a Y. And as soon as I saw that Y come off, I knew that we would be able to do something with that. So, so and we were able to get that reported out very quickly and, and get him picked up. That's incredible. And again, when you talk about the importance of this work, you, you hit a good point. There's a sense of security for an entire community. I know we focus on the victims and the advocacy and everything, but the ripple effect or the force multiplier is that when you have that boogeyman crime, uh, because I've watched it for years, the entire community will 
be on the edge of their seat reasonably for that. But what a cool thing to be able to have a, a role in that, to lay that down and make it work. That's incredible. That had to feel neat when that, when that rolled off and you saw that. Well, that was one of those challenging testimonies. So, how'd that go? Well, we're, mm-hmm. what was anything that uh, stuck out that that you got thrown at you that made it rough? Well, I mean, that was the longest testimony I ever had. It was over three hours, and and there was just a lot of. I was belittled a bit, um, but you know, it's part of it. Yeah, they didn't have much. Am I am probably so? Like you made a good point. The less you got, then you let's go after the piano player. And 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 I think that's usually what I used to see too. Is the ridiculousness of that? Is that the only thing left is character assault? You know. And of course, you know, you're they're battling for one person on a jury. They just need one, and that's amazing. So, what's some other cool wins like that? Because that, that's phenomenal. I'm more likely to think of the ones that we haven't solved that are still pending. Oh. Those those are what haunt me. Yeah. And, and and you know, it's our goal here shortly to start doing unsolves. It it we haven't done any yet, but they're I th- I think uh one, the uh the the victims and their families and their friends, uh, they need a, a a place to talk about who that person was. Mm-hmm. And then the awareness is that uh you can't let these things die because whoever did it, it's always been my opinion that they get a lot of strength with time. And the less that it's talked about, it's like it gets more behind them. But every now and then, it's good to keep floating that out there because it's like quail hunting. You can run them out of the bush sometimes. And and so we'll be doing some. So if you've got ideas on some that really are speaking to you, both of you, let us know. And we'll bring you back and, and bring the investigators in. And we'll go ahead and, and talk to the family members and get that on the record with them, too. So Well, and I think also with those cold cases that we're talking about doing, you never know who may be one of our listeners that knows something as it was in the Trent DeGiro case. We worked not a listener, but a person who knew something about that case that finally that person just had to tell. And that's how that case got solved. And so maybe there's a listener out there who knows something about a cold case that's been keeping it close to their chest, but it's been eating them up and they just want to finally let it go. Can you think of any victims right off the top of your head, Laura, that come to mind over the years? Um, there's all the the Bardstown ones. Oh, those um, are incredible. Incredible. Um, the, oh. Yeah. There's... Uh, the death at case that was a post 12 Shelbyville case that one's always haunted me there's just a bunch there's I'm thinking of that older couple up in northern Kentucky the Stevens too. case mm-hmm. yes talk about that yeah uh, the goat who is it the Golden State Killer and and they're, they're talking about different things that are coming up have y'all done any of that genealogy or what do they call it familiar DNA or two different things. Yes. So, yeah. so that is way outside of our wheelhouse. I, gotcha. I only know enough to be dangerous. Okay. <laughs> so tough. they're looking at different locations on the DNA and they're somehow using ancestry to trace it back. Which is phenomenal. Yes. I mean, uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. they're using a whole different processing. They wouldn't use um, even our reagent, our chemicals. They're using a whole different process mm-hmm. um to I do think that they're testing using, i think they're using snips a lot and yeah. snips is another dna acronym that stands for single nucleotide polymorphism and so that's a lot of what they're using with the ancestral stuff it's just neat it i, I know i listened to another podcast last year that 
kind of hit the periphery of it, but there was a case, and I can't remember where it was, but the way I heard it and the way it sounded to me is kind of like cell phone tracking, is that is that they may not get you down to a pinpoint, but they can kind of get your family tree into it. And I remember in this case that they were able to say that they believe that the male suspect, based on the family, could be located either in one part of Indiana or a county in Kentucky. And I'm like, at least you're kind of going through the haystack, you know, which uh, as an investigator could really potentially move you on. So it's just a fascinating turn in the industry again. Is there anything you came here that you felt strongly about that to get out? If if a lot of times somebody will say, you know, you talk about how much, you know, you enjoy it and would do it again. And, you know, it's a good career. And, you know, you've kind of brought up some of the things that you have to think about. Well, I will tell you that I have pulled so many dead bodies out of burned vehicles working with the ME's office that I could not teach. I could not take my children to drive, to learn how to drive. And even now, you know, I let my husband drive me, but he knows, you know, don't tailgate or I will, Mm. you know, I'll bite. But I couldn't take them. I just, I could take them on the back street in the neighborhood, but to get out on the main road, I have, you know, there's the guy that was in the pickup truck that uh, drunk driver hit him head on and he got his legs stuck under and he burned to death with everybody watching. That one was miserable. You know, one time I went to, um, I got the call, 3 a.m., there's been an accident. Um, there's three three bodies in the car. They Can we bring them to the lab and have them pulled out? So um, I go, and it's unusual because there are three or four deputy coroners there. There's three troopers there. Normally I only have one. There's two fire trucks so i knew something was up when i went in but i go in and i you know roll the the doors up um tell them where they can drop the car they drop the car i have to walk around it to go you know sign it in and get all the details on it and get signatures and as i'm walking around it i i can see the top half of the bodies are burned but the bottoms are intact and i looked at them and i said those are teenage legs where was this wreck what part of Franklin County? It was Franklin County. Which part? Then they told me, and I was like, "Time out, stop." You got make some calls. <laughs> yeah, I need to know. I, I don't want to know who this is. My neighbor down the street, their son, my son. You know, they're all that age, and one of them drives a car just like this. So I'm walking away. I went home. I you always have to take a shower after those because the car and the blood and everything are all over you. And got in the shower, and then I got out, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with this. So I called and said, who is it? And they told me, and it was three kids that my kids had grown up with, but it wasn't the neighbor down the street. But one of them, Emily, was supposed to go to prom with. and Too close to home. Too close to home. And, you know, that one will always live with me. But there's a lot of death you have to deal with. Um, More from a management perspective as far as, you know, having to deal with the bodies coming in and working with the ME's office. But you do run into it. It does. There are things that will always haunt me. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, that's. What is is your role that they would bring those bodies there? What do they want you to do? Well, we had the the way the facility set up. The Emmy's office doesn't have a garage bay, so I would they'd bring it in one to secure it, or two they couldn't pull them out on scene because it was either they couldn't it the car was too hot, or it was one they just had to get the car gone. 
or there were too many people looking to be able to pull out pieces, parts. So they would call the lab and then I would come in, lock it down. And then sometimes we would have the fire department there, get the jaws of life to pop it open right at that time or arrange for it in the morning. So I was kind of the the arranger for the ME's office between uh, the coroner and the fire department. Did you have to do any DNA, maybe teeth or whatever, to see who burned victims might be? Sometimes when we did the Comair 51, there were some DNA we had to do on that 5191. There are times that, yes, we will um, have samples taken, but usually we will wait till the body's upstairs and have a biologist go up and help. The Emmys generally will learn from us as we go so they know what it is that we want and they will do it and send it with the detective. Boy, that was a very somber couple of weeks, wasn't it? Yes. 5191. Yes. Yeah, for the listeners, that that was a horrific plane crash here they, in Lexington. They set up some refrigerated semis behind the lab just to hold all of the bodies. And most of them were intact, but there was a few body parts that we did DNA on to, to be sure that they were released with the right, the correct. So sad. And, and from people in our community... When you talk about, you know, Lexington, for people that aren't here, is a little over 300,000 now. And when 50, 49 people died, if I remember correctly, yes. uh, the one survivor was a pilot. And you know you're still in a small town because it's hard to meet somebody that didn't have a one or two degree separation of somebody on that plane. My mom and dad were supposed to be on it, and they missed it. Oh, Lord. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. Oh, well, I shouldn't say they missed it. They had chosen the day before that they backed it up to take mm-hmm. a later flight. They switched. Well, one of our DNA analysts, her brother-in-law, was on that flight and, and died that day. It's really hard to find Somebody that doesn't have a, a very close nexus to it. it yes. uh, and I remember I was still at the PD and I ran the overnight detail on that. For, and it was a completely surreal, surreal. It's one very of, sad. One of the coroners had a family member on there. It uh, And again, it, it again, there's another piece of where this forensic thing goes that's different than what you see. There's a plane crash and now you're involved on. And the importance of that, like you said, Marcy, is the idea that you just get that right. You know, that uh, when you have something that traumatic for that family, getting that right to be able to say affirmatively, that means so much to somebody that's struggling with that. uh, You and I probably can't process that right now, but the idea that these things go together for somebody to put that at rest is incredibly important. Marcy, Laura, thank you all so much for coming, and thank you all for what you do. I think Our listeners, I can't speak for, but for myself, you've opened my eyes. There's a lot of things that both of you all have talked about that I really didn't realize was being tested or that you all do. I I think people know that's out there, but you don't think that there's people out there who have to do that. So thank you all for what you do. And thank you also for coming and, and sharing your stories and your careers with us. And we really do appreciate that. And we we thank you again for, for sharing your stories and, and being here with us. My pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And, and come back. I, th- I think that uh, we've, we've had some uh, conversations about some future topics that people will be interested in hearing. And lastly, I'll finish up, too, with the idea that one thing I pulled from this, and hopefully the listeners do, is the role in victim advocacy that you all play. That it's centered around this and that search for the truth. We've talked about exonerating, exculpatory evidence and everything. 
but at the heart of it is is representing somebody that can't speak for themselves or is being silenced by the weight of the crime that they were a victim of. And you all do a fantastic job with that. So thank you all very much. Thank you. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims so their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police Podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com which is our website and it has show notes for imagery and audio and video files related to the cases you're going to hear. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which has closed captions available for those that are hearing impaired. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcast from. Subscribe to the Murder Police Podcast and set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.